society, there is a need for people to engage in the world in such a way to alleviate all sorts of issues that exist. And so if the world needs compassion, what do we do? Well, I think the Bible in teaching us the art of living, the way of Jesus, the way of the spirit, it teaches us that we need to satisfy our need for compassion with generosity. The world around us needs compassion. As Christians, we want to follow Jesus' lead in this area and allow other people's needs to move us in action. Pastor Daniel discusses in today's message how compassion translates into generosity. By giving of what we have, whether in physical resources or in our physical presence, we'll have the opportunity to meet people where they need help the most and show them God's love in action. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message, The Need for Compassion. Well, here we are at the very last message in our Art of Living series. I don't know about you, but as we walk through a series together... It's like a journey that we've been on, like a road trip through parts of God's word. And when you get to the end, you become nostalgic a little bit about where you've been and the things that you've learned. I think to sum up the series, for me, we put that little tagline, finding your truest self. And the art of living that we've been learning, what it teaches each one of us is that Truly the art of living is the art of doing life God's way. That's really what it is. You see, Jesus doesn't just give us a new understanding about life. He actually leads us down a new way of life. And if we're not cognizant of it, if we don't think about it, we're all just going to live the way everybody lives in whatever culture we find ourselves in. For us, it happens to be the late 20th century and the early 21st century in America. But Jesus has a new way to be human, a different way of living, God's way of life. And we've been looking at this series and we've been reminded over and over again that the art of living is about letting God live his life through us. And so if you recall, we've been seeing that the art of living is based on Jesus's greatest commandment, right? We love God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and then we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And we've been saying that all of us live in three directions. We live upward by loving God, right? And when we took that, we focused on four different things, ways of living, practices of life, things like worship and prayer, stillness and deepening, which is learning God's word, as we do that, we realize that we're loving God and we're, we focused on creation and we focused on the reality of who God is, what we call divinity. And then from there, we move to when we love God with all that we are, then we love ourselves properly. 
right? And we talked about the idea of living inwardly, the idea of who am I, my identity in Christ. And we focused on things like reflection and fasting, simplicity in what the Christians would call spiritual direction, having a mentor, somebody who pours into your life. We saw that the focus of our identity is Jesus and the work of the cross and the empty tomb, that we could really see ourselves for who we really are, not the masks we put on or the masks other people put on us, but who God knows that we are and tells us that we are, all based on the cross and the empty tomb. And now we're in this final section, not just living upward, loving God with all of our heart, not just loving ourselves, but loving our neighbors as ourselves, this living outward into the world. We've been calling this mission. It's who we are in the world. And we've been focusing on the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we've already seen things like the world's need for justice, and so we serve. The world's need for self-expression, so we let the Spirit of God make us creative in all sorts of unique ways. We saw our need for relationship, and the world's need for relationship, and the God's Word has given us community, or the church, the people of God. And today we come to our final message. One of the things the world needs with passion is compassion. The world passionately needs compassion. What does compassion mean? It literally means with passion. Calm is the Latin prefix for with, and then passion is passion. In the Greek, it's passos. See, compassion is the ability for somebody to see somebody else's situation and not only be moved with emotion for them, but actually be let that emotion move us into action to help. See, I think one of the things that we have in our generation that is we have a compassion, but especially for the younger generation, that passion simply leads to like, I take a picture on Facebook and I put a flag behind it and I post it and that's my activism. Or for the older generation, maybe you don't do Facebook, but you just complain about the situation. And that's my activism, my angst against what's going on. And that's not compassion. Compassion is not only seeing the need, but being provoked inwardly to meet the need. I once heard it said that compassion is seeing somebody else and being able to apply the golden rule. I'll treat others as I would want to be treated and say, if that was me who I am seeing, how do I want to be treated and to actually treat them that way? And our world needs compassion, doesn't it? All around society, there is a need for people to engage in the world in such a way to alleviate all sorts of issues that exist. And so if the world needs compassion, what do we do? Well, I think the Bible in teaching us the art of living, the way of Jesus, the way of the Spirit, it teaches us that we need to satisfy our need for compassion with generosity. Generosity is the key 
to serving and helping the world. Generosity. Now, I realize that when I say that as a pastor, everybody always goes to money right away. And don't get me wrong, we are going to talk about money because money is a way of expressing yourself into the world. But I don't want just to limit this discussion to money. I believe that God wants us to be radically generous people with the totality of our lives, with our time and our talents and our treasures, with the gifts that we have, with our calendar, all that we are, our lives should be generous. You might say, well, how do you know, Fusco? Well, John 3.16, maybe the most famous verse in all the Bible, says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his greatest treasure, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal or everlasting life. See, God loved the world, so he gave with extravagant generosity his own son, whom was the most valuable to him. And so God, the way of God teaches us that when the world is broken, God gives, and not just gives the afterthoughts of his life, but gives the most important things. And I'm going to exhort you today that the spirit-filled life, the life inspired by the Holy Spirit, is a life of radical generosity. It will include our finances, but it won't be limited to our finances. That we create lives in the spirit and allow the life of the spirit to be created in us in such a way that the world experiences a different type of humanity. A humanity that says, I'm going to give, not because I have to, but because I can. So you want to see this in the scriptures? I want you to open up in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to take verses 1 to 8. Paul's second letter to the Corinthians is pretty easy to find. It's towards the beginning of your New Testament, one of Paul's longer letters, right? We have the four gospels, the book of Acts, and then Paul's letters. And then you have Romans and First and 2 Corinthians. Those are Paul's three longest letters. So it's the third of Paul's letters, chapter 9. Picking up in verse 1, look at what the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth. He says, now concerning the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you, for I know your willingness, verse 2, about which I boast of you to the Macedonians, that Acacia was ready a year ago, and your zeal has stirred up the majority. Yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain, in this respect, that as I said, you may be ready, lest if some Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, should be ashamed of this confident boasting. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not of grudging obligation. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good 
work. Now, before I break this passage open to you and show you some important principles, I want to get the elephant in the room out of the way, which is this. So many people have gotten turned off to church because the church talks about money a lot, right? It's like, how often have you gone to church and you hear the church is talking about money? You're like, oh man, the church is so focused on money. And so what happens when that happens is that the church has a tendency to de-emphasize the ideas of generosity, which in a lot of ways is like where Crossroads is for people who come here like, man, you guys don't ever really talk about that stuff and what's going on. And every once in a while you do. Now, I think what's important is, is we need to make sure that we teach the full counsel of the word of God. And so if you're visiting with us today, or you're checking us out, we don't talk about this very often, but you can't learn the art of living unless you talk about being a generous person because God is generous and God is changing us. And so I wanted to get that out of the way because for some people, like, yeah, of course, the first time I come to church, I go to Crossroads and they're talking about being generous. I mean, isn't that church? But the reality is, is how you choose and I choose to administer our lives also declares what you believe every single day. There's not a person who doesn't live a life that is a theological statement. And if God is generous, extravagantly generous, that I couldn't seek to explain to you the art of Christian living life in the spirit unless I encourage and exhort you to generosity in life as well as in your finances. So I wanted to get that out of the way up front. Now notice what it says first. The first thing that we need to learn about a life of generosity is that we need to be willing and zealous. We need to be both willing and zealous. I get this from the first four verses here. Look at what it says. It says, now concerning the ministering to the saints, verse one, it is superfluous for me to write to you. For I know your willingness, about which I boast of you to the Macedonians, that Acacia was ready a year ago, and your zeal has stirred up the majority. Yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this respect, that as I said, you may be ready lest if some Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, should be ashamed of this confident boasting. Now, to put this in context, because really, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 is the preamble to all this. They were putting together a collection for the church in Jerusalem. They were being severely persecuted because of their faith in Jesus. And so as the Apostle Paul, along with his missionary partners, went out to start churches, these churches were popping up all over the Roman Empire in places like Corinth, which is in modern-day Greece, places like Macedonia, which is one of the neighboring regions to Greece. And so these Gentile Christians who weren't being persecuted, they would see the church in Jerusalem and say, we need to help them, Right? And so what we find here is the Apostle Paul is writing to them because the church in Corinth, in verse 2, was both willing and zealous to help the church in Jerusalem. They heard about the need, and they were like, we are in. We want to do this. They were willing, and they were excited to do it. And so much so that the Apostle Paul says that their willing and zealous intentions spurred on all these churches in the area of Macedonia to want to get involved as well. But what we find here is that the church in Corinth was willing and zealous, but they actually haven't completed the job. They had the right intention, but they haven't followed through yet. Now, in order 
to live generously, you have to first be willing. And when you think of the idea of zeal, you have to have passion to want to be a generous person. And it would be wrong of me to try and encourage you to generosity without starting with the idea of are you willing and are you excited about it? Now, right there, I realize many people are like, yeah, uh, no. So, like, I got my own problems, Fusco. You don't know what my calendar looks like. You don't know what the bank account looks like. You don't know what this is. And so it has every action begins with a desire to be a certain way. Like, let me give you an example. So Christmas came and went. I had a blast. I feasted like no one's business. And I have a passion now to lose some pounds. (laughs) Nobody loses weight without a passion to lose weight unless there's some ulterior things going on, right? So it begins with a desire to do it. Do you have a passion to be a part of God's kingdom and help people? I think for many of us, we don't at all. We're so consumed with life focused on self that the idea of being focused on helping anybody else is the farthest thing. And I'm here to wake you out of sleep. I want to challenge you that the reason you're so frustrated with life is because it's all about you. A culture focused on its own happiness will always be the least happy culture in the world because it's like grasping at the wind. Every time you get the thing that you want, right away the thing stops. I was talking to someone, all they wanted was this beautiful car, and they got the car, and then all of a sudden one of the headlights went out, and they found out that their beautiful car changing the headlights cost like a grand. It was all fun until that happened. And some of you know exactly what that's like, right? All I want, I'll be so happy when I get a boat. I get a boat. And then you get a boat. And you know what happens when you have a boat, right? Your whole life is working on the boat, right? And it's a blast. I'm not knocking having a boat or having a car that you want. I'm not knocking these things. But none of these things are going to satisfy the depths of who you are. So you have to be willing and have a passion to help others. And I want to encourage you, if you don't have that right now, say, Lord, give me your passion to help others. Give me a willingness to be involved in all that you're doing. Now, for others of us, I believe that many of us have the willingness, but like the church in Corinth, it's not that the willingness isn't there, it's the follow-through. It's the follow-through. And I'm here to tell you, if you have that heart to do it, then you need to just start taking those steps of faith. You need to push through the intention because you all know we all have great intentions. How many of you have read your New Year's resolutions from last year? I just did it the other day for fun. And I realized that I have almost all the same resolutions this year. So I'm not preaching down on anybody. Almost everything. I'm like, yep, I got to work on that. Yep, I got to work on that. Yep, I got to work on that again. So, but it begins with this intention. And the church in Corinth was so passionate about this that they were actually an encouragement to the other churches. And they all jumped on because of the church in Corinth. And Paul's literally saying, look, I'm sending some guys to you. I want you to take care of this early so that when I show up, nobody's embarrassed. See, look what it says in verse 5. It says, therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. My friends, not only should you be willing 
and zealous, but we need to prepare for it. We need to prepare for it. See what's going on here. Paul doesn't want the church in Corinth, his boasting about their generosity, he doesn't want their zeal that hasn't been followed through to be a source of embarrassment. Or, wow, okay, so it really isn't like that. So he says, so I'm sending these guys before so that you can be prepared. Prepare your generous gift beforehand. So the step from intention and willingness to action is preparation. And there's that old business maxim. If you fail to plan, you what? You plan to fail. And if you want to live a life of generosity, then you need to plan it. You need to prepare the way. You need to think about, if I want to live more generously, then I'm going to plan and prepare my calendar, and I'm going to put in times for it. If I'm going to use the gifts that God has given me to further the work of God's kingdom, then I need to make some space in my commitments to be able to do that. And if I want to give of the resources that God has entrusted to me, I need to prepare for it. I need to think through it. I need to figure this thing out. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul exhorts this church. He says, listen, when I show up, I don't want there to be some collections or all this pressure. Well, Paul said, we got to get this thing together. Isn't that how it goes so much for us? We say we're going to do something and then we don't do it. And all of a sudden, oh, I'm supposed to do that. What most of us do because we feel that embarrassment is we either don't make any commitments. That's one way of dealing with it. Or two, you just stop seeing certain people because of unfulfilled commitments, all of which shows a lack of maturity. I bet for a lot of us right now, there are people you don't want to see because you said you were going to do something, you're not going to do it, you don't want to deal with it. Or for some of you, the idea of being commitment phobic. You don't make a commitment for everything. You say, well, I'm not sure. Maybe. We don't do anything because we lack the follow-through, which ends up leaving us people who are not committed to anything except whatever happens next. Isn't that a cultural problem that we have? We do. So you need to prepare for the gift. You need to think in advance. If you want to be the kind of person in the world the way Jesus is, you need to be prepared for that. Have you prepared the way? Have you prepared the way for God to invite you to participate with him in changing the world? You have to make space for it. Listen to the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome, chapter 13, verses 11 to 14. It says this, and do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent and the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as it is in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. That's a great, encouraging, challenging verse for preparation. Because now's the time. Listen, Jesus' return is as soon as it's ever been. Jesus is As Pastor Daniel began to wrap up his series on the art of living today, he discussed with us the need to have a compassionate nature in order to love others well. 
That compassion then motivates us to do what we can to help improve the situation. I am so excited that you are part of the Jesus is Real family. Thanks for listening to the radio program. Did you hear? I also wrote a book and I want my brand new book, Upward, Inward and Outward, Loving God, Loving Yourself and Loving People. I want it to bless you and bless everyone you know. Jesus in his greatest commandment said we all live in three directions, upward, inward and outward. And we want to grow and learn that the art of living is loving in all these three directions. So get the book wherever you like to buy books and I'll see you guys soon. Upward, Inward, Outward, Loving God, Loving Yourself, and Loving People is a fascinating book that we know will help you in your walk with Jesus. Please visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to receive your very own signed copy when you support Jesus Is Real Radio with a gift of $15 or more. Again, a special signed copy of Upward, Inward, Outward, Loving God, Loving Yourself, and Loving People is available at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel shares examples of ways we can free up resources in our lives to be more generous. While generosity can be financial, we can also give of our time and of ourselves to bless those around us. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series entitled The Art of Living. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.